This week's episode of the Living Strong Podcast is brought to you by Spartan Race Canada. I'm so happy I've teamed up with Spartan Race for the podcast because as many of you guys know, the Spartan Race was the first race I ever signed up for and it changed my life dramatically. So we teamed up together for the podcast and I got you guys an amazing discount code on all open heats. The discount is for 30% and it's valid until the end of the year. So this discount code, you can't use it after January 1st. You got to use it before December 31st, 2019. So the discount code is SRCA071, SRCA071, and you'll get 30% off on all your open heats. Sign up to a race, change your life, aru. Welcome back. And on this episode of The Living Strong, we sit down and discuss with the one and only Yancy Kulp. Yancey is the genius behind the online training platform Yancey Camp, where he trains everyone from elite OCR athletes to very beginners. I've been on his program for over about a year now, and I can say that the results speak for themselves. My grip strength is out of this world. He is super down to earth and is always there for his athletes and everyone around him. We discuss how he started getting involved with the OCR world and how he believes in a healthy lifestyle and so on many other great subjects. We also touch upon a dark part of his life where he was battling cancer. It's a super interesting podcast. He's a super interesting man, and I'm guaranteed you're going to love this one. Welcome to the Living Strong Podcast. Join us every Thursday as we sit down and discuss with your everyday and professional athletes, trainers, and health and fitness experts. Our goal is to inspire and challenge you to become the best version of you that can be. Welcome back to another episode of the Living Strong Podcast. This week, I got my coach, Yancy Kulp, on the other side of the world here online with us. Yancy, what's up? Hey, man. Thanks for having me on. And uh, remind me, where, where exactly are you right now? I'm in Montreal. Montreal, Quebec, Canada. Montreal. Okay. Yeah. I, I, was, I was born and raised uh, in BC. Um, oh, nice. Beautiful. I, I shouldn't say raised. Not, I wasn't there for a long time, but uh, Merritt, Merritt, British Columbia was my, uh, that's where my dad was for a while when I was there. Uh, Mom and dad were when I was born. Awesome. That's, that, that's a beautiful, BC is a beautiful uh, place uh, in, of Canada. Yeah. Um, a lot of the mountains, the water and everything. It's really nice out there. So Yancy, tell us a bit about yourself for people that don't know who you are. Well, as, as far as the, the OCR world is concerned, I'll start there and then I'll maybe, yeah, you guys will have to deal with my ADD a little bit. <laughs> uh, bear with me, but, so, so like many people in the, in the OCR world, 2011 is when I got started. I was uh, this, this young, well, I was 39 at the time. I, I, was, I, I almost said young, <laughs> not so young. So, you know, I grew up running in middle school, high school. I was lucky enough to get a college track scholarship and scholarship. And I always stayed competitive in running. Well, 39 years old, this uh, – this thing called Warrior Dash came into town, Austin, Texas. So I stepped up and uh, drug a bunch of friends and clients out. And I remember walking up and I was like, holy crap, man, there's obstacles out here. I was just, I remember being nail body nervous. And I ran the Warrior Dash, which I look at now, it was basically a 5K with, with a few speed bumps, yeah. you know, <laughs> in the path. And I, but I was, I was addicted. It was like the, 
the healthy addiction of OCR hit me, and I, I, I did a Spartan race shortly afterwards, a couple months later in Austin, and then I dove in and just did as many races as I could possibly do over the course of the, the next couple of years, and then dove into the OCR, OCR co coaching world, and I've been training, racing, coaching in the OCR world ever since, man. That's awesome. That's awesome. So uh, you, you, you spoke a bit about before becoming an OCR athlete slash coach, you were uh, into track. And what led you uh, uh, to be into the track world? Why did you like doing the, tr the running the track and all that? What was uh, your first love? Like that, I'm guessing that was your first love of sports, right? Or was there Yeah, I'm going to – my dad's going to get 99.9% .9 of the credit there. He was a, he was a very good – runner growing up um in his in his 30s when i was uh, you know a young a young lad and i always tell the story and we, we grew up on a, on, on a on a farm out in the country middle of nowhere and it was a it was kind of a big rectangle and when i was when i was a little bitty guy he introduced me to running and i would he would have me cut off kind of angle off the four corners so we were able to basically stay together because he was faster than me at the time and that happened for a few years and then there was a few years where we were pretty much running together and then uh my 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 junior senior year you know in high school i was came the time when i was a little faster than him and all of a sudden now my dad was running off angling the corners rounding the corners so for for many years we we ran together and uh, I just looked up to him. I remember him showing me some of his high school medals. He actually held the 1,200 meter of freshman record in California for a while. He was just a very, very good runner uh, before a bad motorcycle accident. Uh, you know, he still he went on to be a great runner, for, you know, up until his his 50s, early 60s, until his knees kind of started started giving him some grief. But he just introduced me to running, and I, I just I fell in love with it, man. And I just thought that it was a normal thing to do. Uh, genetically, you know, there's been a lot of good runners in the family, and I've just always loved it, man. I mean, I we kind of get people joke about the cult family here in Cedar Park. We you'll see us, my kids and I, jogging through the grocery store. <laughs> you know, I'm a, I'm a firm. You know, I know one of these days I won't be able to run anymore. That day will come eventually, and I'm. So until then, I run just about every freaking where I go. I, that's the way I've been doing it my whole life. I, I love competing. Uh, OCR was like a massive freaking gift because it allowed us to um, just it just gave us this epic running opportunity combined with cool functional fitness. So that that was kind of my answer question. My dad gets full full credit. Awesome, that's awesome. And uh, so you transitioned into OCR and. What led you to, to keep up on that OCR? So you mentioned you started off with the Warrior Dash and then you did Spartans and after that it was just one after another. But, but what was it uh, of the OCR races that, that led you to, to sign up, keep signing up, keep signing up, keep signing up, and then later on become a coach? I, you know, I like to say that, and I would debate this with anybody, I think OCR is arguably the most epic fitness movement the world's ever seen. I 100% agree with you on that. <laughs> the, the large, technically the largest, or one of the largest fitness movements the world's ever seen. And I also like to follow that up with, it's one of the most productive fitness movements the world's ever seen. Basically what we have here, and this, I'm going to tie this into one, to the answer to your question, is we have millions of people across the globe <clears throat> walking into a gym for a different reason today 
than they were walking into a gym 10 years ago. You know, 10 years ago, it was to look better in a bikini or a bathing suit, lose a few inches, lose a few pounds. Now we have millions of people actually walking into gyms and going out to trails and whatever, because they're training for a specific race. And I think the fact that, you know, I, I, I joke with people, it's like, what, what the heck did we do 10 years ago? You know, if we wanted to, you know, as far as a participatory sport was concerned, we could sign up for our local 5K, 10K, half marathon, marathon, or maybe if we wanted to get really radical, go for a triathlon. That's about all there was, man. Well, now you get to go out on these trails or where I just came from, Fenway Park, the most iconic baseball stadium on the planet. You get to run around these, these ranches and, and, and parks and ski resorts, our, our baseball, football fields, and run your 5K, 10K, 15K, whatever, our marathon, and tackle obstacles along the way. So now, you and I go do one this Saturday. We walk into work on Monday. Look what we're talking about on Monday around the water cooler compared to what we would be talking about if we had done the local 5K. Nothing against the freaking 5K, 10K. I love them, man. I came from a track and cross country where I love all things running, but it's just more of a, um, it's just more, there's more, it, it offers more to us from a functional fitness standpoint. I think, you know, if you look at the start line of an elite, let's say Spartan race, and let's see, we got, we got Ryan Kent standing beside Hunter McIntyre standing beside you know, the, the list goes on of the Ryan Atkins. We got yeah. put Ryan Atkins and Ryan Kent side by side and all the other guys. They look like a bunch of cyborgs. I got nothing against the marathon, but go look at the start line of the Boston Marathon, the top ten guys. Yeah. I mean they're great they're great athletes. They don't look like Ryan Kent and Ryan Atkins. <laughs> no. I, I'm just you know what I mean? They don't have to pick up a hundred pound Atlas ball and carry it down and back and lift, you know, hundred and twenty pound Hercoist and flip 400 pound tires and traverse across crazy. You know, you have to have a, a functional body. And I think that, you know, I was always, uh, I was kind of a bigger runner. I'm like 5'9, 165, and I played football in high school. And I love physical sports. I love the weight room. So I was never that guy. And I was never going to be that guy genetically that was 130 pounds, which you yeah. see your, your elite world class runners. So it kind of gave this old guy that was a good runner. I never was a phenomenally great runner. But I was a good runner, but had a really nice background in the strength training world. I was kind of a nice hybrid always, which most good OCR athletes are hybrid athletes. Yeah. And that, so that kind of drew it to me. It was like a, I, I got handed this gift at 39 years old. And I think you kind of hear similar, you know, replies to a question like you just asked from a lot of people out there if they're elite age group or open, very similar answers. They kind of feel like they've been handled this like, oh my gosh, look what we get to go do now compared to the past. Yeah. Well, I find it's also more of a, the OCR world compared to uh, like just a, the, the regular running or uh, the weightlifting and all that. It's, it's, uh, it's more of a community, the, the community around it and it becomes more of a lifestyle. Like you said, on the Monday, I'm excited to talk at the water cooler with my my colleagues say, mm -hmm. hey, look what I did this weekend. Look at these pictures. Look at that. When it's the running, well, the other guy probably did another running that weekend or something else. So it's, there's, there's that aspect that, it, it, number one, it gets you out of your comfort zone. Even if you train for it as much as you want, you're always getting out of your comfort zone when doing a race. And number two, the fact that you did something that to your, for, like for me, for example, when you mentioned that uh, 10 years ago and you used to join the gym, you were joining the gym to get fit. 
Well, when I joined the gym three years ago, I was 300 pounds and I yeah. was joining the gym to get fit. But then I was about to lose myself and go off track. And then what I said to myself, I'm going to sign up to something. I need to sign up some, to something that's going to really keep me on track. Yeah. A regular 5K wouldn't have kept me on that track. A Spartan race did. And so Yeah, there are – no, you're exactly right. You yeah. fall into that category of all of us. And this is not debatable. What I'm about to say is there are millions of people across the globe that are more functionally fit because of OCR. Yeah. It's as simple as that. And, and that's when I, when I say, you know, I kind of say it as, on purpose as kind of to pull people to the edge of their seat. It's like, listen, what I'm about to tell you is not debatable. We're looking at arguably the largest and most epic fitness movement the world has ever seen. And when you say something like that, people are like, I need to hear what he has to say. Yeah. Obstacle course racing is, is responsible for that. And, you know, Spartan and all the brands, it's, it's, it's been a, it's been an amazing nine, 10 years. And, and that's, you know, I would, like I said, I would debate that with, with anybody, you know, and really and truly you kind of have to throw CrossFit in there when you, you know, before 10 years ago, approximately, we didn't have these two fitness movements and they both, when you combine them, there are, an insane number of people that are just training they're for training for a purpose. And so I love you, man. I, I'm a, I have a massive love for all things fitness. I've been involved in it for, for many years. And I love that there are people, you know, they're, they're, they're geeked up on Monday. You know, the, 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 they're tapering down for the race coming up this weekend. And they, you know, the, the social media, where would social media world be? I mean, it's, it, I know we kind of get caught up in our bubble, but all week long, it's like all these people talking about, well, I'm racing here and there. And yeah. here in the States alone, there's, there's seven, eight, nine different races. Every mm-hmm. single pocket of the country has something going on yeah. every, every weekend. So Hopefully Canada will get that soon. <laughs> I mean, I just watched 12,000 people race around Fenway Park. Are you freaking yeah. kidding me? 12,000 uh, people? Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, it's crazy. So – uh, you also mentioned, and as I mentioned, you are uh, my coach. I'm following the Ryan Kett uh, program from you. Um, why, why did you decide to transition into becoming an OCR coach or functional fitness coach, as you would say? What led you to that path? Well, I was, I was lucky enough to, you know, in high school, I was, uh, my first love was absolutely football. Genetically, I was just really good at running. And, you know, I, I, I went to I went to state uh, uh, ran the Texas State track meet in the sixteen hundred meter of the mile and, and got third place there and was lucky enough to get a, a, a track scholarship and co- to, to run in college and you know I was that kid that kind of stomped on the campus upset that I was you know, I wanted to be playing football hmm. but I was about five nine back then about five nine one fifty five and that that's not a big football frame you know I said no. I didn't play well <laughs> on the football field um, but uh, you know, and then, and then I, I joined the military. Never, I never probably went more than two or three days of my life since middle school without running. Uh, and then I, I, along the way, my twenties and thirties, I did some, I can, I was competitive in running. I started coaching and running and, you know, then I got the OCR bug and I said, you know, after about three or four races, I said, you know what, I'm, I want to coach in this sport. And back then there was nobody that had a lot of OCR experience. So I had this running background. So what I did 
was I raced anything and everything I could get my hands on. My, my third OCR, third or fourth OCR was a 72 hour death race. So I had this book in over here. I was doing Spartan sprints and all this short stuff. And I started doing all ultra beasts and all these things in between. And I was racing as much as I could possibly race. You know, and I firmly believe it's one of those sports where when you get your mind and body out on course, you have a good understanding of how to program. It's just a little different than running your, your five, preparing somebody for a 5K. So I was really drawn to the, the uniqueness in the programming. And it's, it's almost like the OCR creates this forever gray area. You know, if I'm training you for the 1,500 meters in the Olympics, that's kind of black and white. There's only so much deviation we can go there, but OCR provides this beautiful gray area and you can just, you can continue to be creative with the programming. I, you know, I kind of joke that, you know, I, I never want to be a copy and paste coach. And as you know, as a Yancey Camp roster athlete that are a client that I, I, I throw a little something different at you all the time. I, I oh, tweak the workout a little bit and OCR allows that. It allows you to do that while also working in just enough science and, and make it sensible training that's going to translate out on course while also making it, it fun. So it, it just played in well to, to things that I love, man. I, I love training. I love coaching. And um, I, I love the, you know, like we don't, none of us really know what's on the horizon in 2020. That, like, no. like, like there's always new stuff being announced, like new distances. And, you know, just this, it's a roller coaster ride. Oh, yeah. Even when you think you know what it's going on, it's still a roller coaster ride. So it creates an amazing opportunity for, for coaches and athletes alike. Yeah. And uh, so uh, your, your training, your type of training is always more on that functional fitness. And we mentioned a bit CrossFit and that the functional fitness is, is something that really uh, is needed uh, in the OCR world. Um, but if, uh, like for an example, if a, a regular guy out of the gym just doing a regular three-day split do you find that's enough to compete in the OCR world or do you still find that the functional fitness needs to be implemented and that person needs to do even a bit of calisthenics and all that, or just that three day split is something that's, that's good to go. Well, what I've learned as a, you know, I was in the corporate world for, for 16 years and, and just about that entire time I was moonlighting in fitness. I coached a successful boot, successful boot camps for, for 12 12 years, um, strength and conditioning for, for high school and college programs, uh, personal training, large group training, mid-size group training. I've just been doing all things fitness for a long time and, and, and five, you know, five plus years of OCR training. What I've learned is the most important thing. I don't care if we're talking about, let's look at OCR, open age group elite. Those are the three categories. It doesn't matter. What I'm about to say is, is very relevant for all three. I need to set you up for success. That's my goal. Now, that looks a little different for you compared to, say, Ryan Kent. Um, I program three workouts a week on Yancey Camp because I want you to be in a place, and all of our clients to be in a place where, and I've said this a million times, when you put your head on the pillow on a Sunday night, if, you're, if, you're, if family life and crazy work life, I don't want to say interfere because that's a bad thing. Those things should come first for most of us. If they put you in a situation where all you were able to do is get three good quality workouts in, I want you to say, that was a quality week, man. That was a good week. Yeah. If I set you up with a program that's like, man, we got to go six days a week, you are destined for failure. 
that's there's going to be more times than not when your lifestyle nothing wrong with it is going to get in the way of that and you put your hand on the pillow Sunday night it's like man I just I didn't get it all in and that gets discouraging so I want you to be everything on top of those three days is bonus and that's just kind of and, and I even my pro athletes I want them to be set up for success I literally coach them towards five days a week two days off when you're when you feel fresh and like that caged animal feel and you feel recovered and you feel like you never feel run down and just wrecked during workouts you know me man you know what what do i do before every single workout the mental conditioning video yeah. comes first yeah. i want you to feel mentally strong and empowered and just i never want you to feel ran down mentally or physically so i you know i always say if you're gonna lean one way or the other i would rather lean towards slightly too little training than too much and for you to feel mentally like a rock star so and i think i may have got a little off track there and oh, i apologize fine. but fine. um <laughs> but uh that's the deal man i want you and this is my golden rule for every single client i don't care if i'm training somebody to try to win some world championship in ocr or, or, or all of us are just trying to run our a successful race whatever that might be from an open age group or elite I want you and I to, when we snap our fingers and we wake up 20, 30 years from now, in your case, like 40, 50 years from now, <laughs> I, I, I want you to be able to say, man, I really enjoyed that entire process. I enjoyed, you know, working with Yancey and just all my experiences throughout my time at OCR. I, I'm really glad I did it the way I did it. Uh, I have no regrets. Uh, my body stayed pretty darn healthy yeah. and I was able to really enjoy OCR uh, whatever competitive level you wanted to enjoy it at and you just put you got a big shitting grin on your face man you're happy you know with, with with everything you did and the way you did it so and that's 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 part of my job as your coach to, to, to help guide you to make sure because really and truly um, something that's important for me is most clients I've learned they really, my job is, is, is more times than not to pull them down than to motivate them. They, you know, like coach them down to a sensible week, uh, you know, because they, they, they get, man, it is, it's a healthy drug. OCR yeah, pulls you is. in. You, 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 want to, you want to reach for that next goal. Yeah. And, and we got, we got to find balance and making sure we stay healthy and, and, and work and family come first. And we're able to mesh it into our life versus allowing it to take over our life, which can lead to uh, to bad things sometimes. For sure. And with your crazy schedule as uh, uh, going from, like you just mentioned, you were in um, Fenway Park and all that. How do you keep up with a, a training routine? What are your tips for a person that does a lot of travel, that, that has a crazy busy schedule? What what would be some tips for these for that kind of uh, people? So I was just talking with a few clients about this today. So reality is for most of us, you, you, you know, it's, we'll use Ryan, for example, he's, cause he's, he's the roster athlete that I, I coach that you're, you're with. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we're, we're looking at five to six workouts a week, yeah. you know, one, one day off that, 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 and that's the normal. Um, so that's a full time program. I'll use myself a, as an example. There's plenty of weeks when I only get three to four workouts. For sure. Um, so with Ryan, that full-time schedule, 
about 30% of the time we're looking at tough zone four, zone five workouts. About 70% of the time we're looking at um, zone two, zone three workouts. Yeah. Now, for me, and possibly you, I'm not working out six days a week, not even five days a week usually. Um, so more, I'm going to get, I'm going to look for that high quality workouts. Like today I did a, uh, you know, I did a real tough session. It was short and I was kind of guinea pigging a, a workout that I'm going to build next week. And I, I, you know, I love the fact, it's one of the reasons I stay in shape so I can continue to use my body as a guinea pig. Yeah. Very seldom will I ever program anything that I haven't done, but I can get away with, you know, if I work out four days a week, two of my workouts can be high intensity to lower intensity. So I'm 50, 50. Well, I'm also getting three full days of rest that that other athlete is, is not getting. So I really try to, man, I just never hardly find myself doing what some people call junk miles, just going out and just working out for the heck of it. When I do get 30 minutes, it's going to be, it's going to be a quality 30 minutes. That phase two that you see in most sessions, that's a man, that's, that's normally about 30 minutes and change somewhere sometimes longer than 30 minutes. Like the one I programmed today, six ninety nine. But some of those are like 30 minutes of like, that's the meat of your session. And it's going to be a good, tough session. Yeah. And I, I know most people in the program aren't out there going six, seven days a week. So I want you to get that quality workout. I want you to get that session. I know what your goal is. You want it to translate out on course. So I'm very meticulous. I spend a lot of time, you know, in, in thought process, deciding on how I'm going to program for you. And I, and I want every second that you spend training to translate out on course because you've got, we've got other things going on in our life and we don't sure. spend, we don't train and race full time. No, for sure. For sure. And, um, you also mentioned, because uh, be, uh, before, while we were talking about the, the whole functional training, uh, the, the, vi the, the videos that you do before each workout, the, motivation, the motivational videos, the, the, the mind before strength. Do you believe that even on the, the course, it's, there's, there's so much that strength could do, but there's so much that the mind could do as well? Like, do you think that it's also a mind game that you need to, uh, need to be able to play with your mind and, and get your mind at the right place to complete a race? Or do you think the strength could lead you to the finish line? Yeah, you know, I always say I'm not certified in any type of counseling, psychiatrist, psychology. <laughs> I, I have the wonderful opportunity to, through osmosis to have worked with many that are certified. And I've learned, you know, using those people as mentors, accountability partners, and amazing coaches at seminars and whatever <clears> – <throat> I'll be honest, I, I get more out of that than I, when I go to watch, watch an actual coach talk about the, phys, the physical side of training, the exercise physiology side of it. Man, I'm a firm believer. I, I, you know, I kind of loosely throw these statistics out there, but I'm a firm believer that 51% plus the mental side is, is, is going to be a huge point of uh, – uh, it needs to be a huge part of your focus. There's – I don't think there's any, there's in every, just about every sport, we can give examples of people that made it and were really successful. And there was thousands of people that either could have or should have been in their spot physically, just looking at the physical genetic makeup of them. There's thousands that could have been in their place, but ultimately it comes down to the person that is able to work in 
the, the mental aspect to their advantage off the course and on the course. I've, you know, as I get older, I find myself winning the battle out on course mentally. I find myself really enjoying the experience. Uh, my last couple of races, I, I've, you know, I, I coach myself all the way up to the starting corral. And I set these, these pause button moments in the starting corral and out on course where I'm going to, you know, I might be freaking bombing through the side of the mountain or through Fenway Park, but I'm going to have these, this system, this, this, this system set up in my, my brain to hit that pause button and say, take, take it all in. Remember how crazy blessed I am to have the opportunity to train for this race. Be in this moment right now. This, this 29 minutes that I have in Fenway Park bombing around and just get that huge grin. Yeah, you're at 160, 170, 170 heart rate. There's pain there, but, it, but it's an amazing opportunity. Yeah. And when you can find peace and, 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 and clarity and, and, and how exceptionally amazing it is to, to have the opportunity to be doing what we're doing, man, it brings this level of calm to you. And you find, you literally find comfort at that 170 heart rate yeah. because you're enjoying your time. It's for, for a football player or whatever sports you play, a rugby player. I just watched South Africa win the rugby world championships. When you're out there, if you can, if you can just, every now and then you just need to take two seconds. Like, you know what? Yancey, remind myself, remind yourself how freaking stupid awesome this is right now. You know <laughs> what you're doing. Yeah. And that's a huge win, man. And that's, you know, that's a whole nother podcast that we could ramble on about, but it's, it's all those mental conditioning videos are, it, that's my graciously direct way to reach out to people, especially my clients. Um, you, you have to see them. They're right there in big, bold, blue letters. Bam. That's what you see before you see the workout. Cause I, and I want people to watch those. It's just kind of a, some of the things, some of the roller coaster ride struggles that maybe I'm dealing with, or I know other people are dealing with are real world things going on out there. And it's just my healthy perspective of there's, you know, there's no, I'm no expert, but it's just me talking to you and hopefully bringing some clarity to some tough situations that we deal with in, in life and, and giving you, giving you a few, a few strategies to help you, help you, you know, smooth out that bumpy roller coaster ride that life throws at us sometimes. Yeah, for sure. And uh, this is a perfect uh, segue to my next question because what I want to know is, on, uh, from your opinion, do you believe that being fit and healthy help every individual out there uh, with everyday challenges and being their best self? Or does it, like, being fit and healthy has nothing to do with that, if you understand my uh, question? So, here's the deal. It doesn't matter what, yes, yeah, some of us have jobs that require us to use the physicality of our body yeah. to, to perform that job a little more than others. Yeah. You could be an accountant or a secretary or a, uh, a bookkeeper, whatever, or, or an engineer or a computer coder um, or, or some other jobs on the other end of the spectrum. But I don't care what you do or what lifestyle you lead. This beautiful machine of ours is, is our mode of transportation throughout this epic journey on this beautiful rock of ours. And if, if you disrespect it, um, that's, you're creating a situation where you are not going to be able to enjoy your time on this beautiful rock like you could. I, I like to say, 
you know, I like to look, I, I, this is kind of my, I'll pull your ass to the edge of the seat moment and, and tell you that don't disrespect your body because I want you to be able to say yes when your kids one day or your grandkids or that future wife or, or spouse of yours says, hey, let's go do this. And because of you, because you did a good job taking care of your, literally, I say be selfish with enough time each day so that you take care of this beautiful machine so you can say yes to those things. I, you know, it, it, it hurts my heart. It literally brings tears to my eyes as I try to come up with unique ways. If I see somebody, it, it hurts my heart. And I want to come up with unique ways to get them to understand the gravity of, hey, not taking the time to be, not being selfish a little bit of your time today to take care of yourself and saying, gosh, dang it, I've got to do this. I need to spend these 30 minutes to take care of this machine. I need to fuel my body well, take care of the physical machine, uh, you know, with, with, with workouts and whatnot. So one day at a time, one of two things is going to happen. You're going to start stacking shitty days on top of each other, and you're going to turn into – you're going you're gonna to end up in a shitty situation, or you start stacking. You don't have to stack great days. You stack good days on top of each other because time flies. Dude. You and I are going to snap our fingers, and we're going to be 40, 50, 60, 70 years old, and the shit's hitting the fan way earlier than you want it to if you don't take the time that selfish time and i kind of say that because it's kind of a it's kind of an edgy way of communicating it and you got to be edgy to really get people to the edge of their seat so i'm like yes be selfish you know because people are like wait a second i'm not supposed to be selfish but in this case yes i don't care i don't care you need to your family needs to know that i'm doing this for you because I want to, you know, when, when the kid's like, hey, let's go on a ski trip or let's go hike the Grand Canyon, you're going to be able to, like, this freaking body, this 47-year-old is, I'll be damn, I'm going to be able to do it. And I'll still do it faster than most people because I've been stacking years upon years upon years of taking care of myself. So at 47 years old, I don't care if you think it's bragging or not, I can still go out and drop the freaking hammer. Yeah. I can run circles around almost 20 years old. It's nothing. You don't have to do anything extravagant. Just take a little time to respect the beautiful machine. Yeah. I like that. Respect the beautiful machine. <laughs> Dude, that was, that was my, that was my soapbox. I'll, I'll, I'll jump off of that. <laughs> That's awesome. So, um, uh, we, we didn't touch upon it uh, yet in the podcast and I just want to bring it up. How do you, uh, deal with nutrition and what's your views on nutrition and being, uh, uh, fit for OCR races? Are you more towards, uh, like I know, uh, Jody Senna is really close, almost like is really plant based uh, at the moment, and I think he's been for a while. How do you do? You feel that nutrition plays a role in, uh, in being fit and uh, healthy? Well, I am ridiculously blessed. I almost call it legal cheating, because my my wife of uh, almost twenty years, nineteen years, is a a sports performance dietitian, yeah. a registered dietitian. She's the vice president of a CPSDA. She manages her full-time job is fueling athletes, helping athletes fuel to win. That's amazing. And she's helped athletes from all spectrums, all walks of life, every sport you could think of. She's helped them fuel to win. She's a dietitian for the athletic department, University of Texas. She's nice. helped fuel me for, for everything. I, so literally I, that's what I, that's who I've lived with for 19 years. Um, we take a very sensible approach. 
we're we're a firm believer you know big high five to to amelia boone on her yeah i love i love how she's handling you know her the the unique journey she's been on my wife's a big fan of how she's handling things now um so many people don't have peace with food and that's our number one goal is we want all of our clients and, and everybody we work with to have peace with food and understand that food is a source of, of fuel for our bodies. Um, now, once you, that, that's like, that's like step number one. Once you understand that we want, we want people to understand that um, it doesn't have to be rocket science. It's, it's, it doesn't have to be a book this big and, and crazy lectures. Uh, um, once you have some basic guidelines, we want you to think about it this way. 80, 90% of the time, are you fueling your body to win, to win in life? Now, to some, for some of our athletes, our athletes, we're, we're fueling to win means trying to win a world championship or a national championship or whatever. Um, put gold medals on your neck. But for most people, it's about fueling to win in life. Yeah. And that means uh, living a healthy lifestyle. So this beautiful machine of ours is, is, is ready to rock and roll from a physical standpoint. And nutrition plays a big role. Um, so that's number two. You know, sensibly, is what I'm getting ready to put in my mouth for every meal and snack, 80, 90% of the time, is that a really good choice? And then when I, we say having peace, you know, the worst thing you, a person can do is that, you know, be that person that walks into a party and is thumbing their nose to the fact that, oh, they're, they're, they're having a beer over there or there's a cupcake and I see, look at that you know, dude, why are you, you know, that, you know, that cheeseburger is bad for you. The pizza is bad for you. The cupcakes bad for you. Now all of a sudden you're creating a very unhealthy situation, an unhealthy mindset towards, towards food. Um, <clears throat> you know, personally, my wife and I, I made a post on Facebook today, kind of a, yeah, I saw it. kind of a, you know, it's going to be controversial to some, but we, we, we're probably vegetarian 75, 80% of the time. Um, I grew up on a cattle ranch, man. I love a good steak every now and then. I, I, I was, I was, my, my grandfather raised me to have an amazing respect for, for animals. And I was taught that, uh, you know, I grew up on hundreds of acres and, you know, and I was taught gun safety and, and we hunted and, you know, on, we, on bird season, we go, we go hunt birds or we, you know, we had cattle or whatever and anything we would ever we were taught to never kill an animal unless you were going to eat that animal, unless you're going to use that animal to nourish your, your body and feed your family. So there's a, there was a huge level of respect for, for food growing. You know, we, I had, uh, we had an acre garden, an acre garden. That's, that's a massive garden. That's massive, and, yeah. and I had, I had to work that garden from seed to, to table. And I had to work the cattle ranch and I was a, I was a butcher in high school. So I have, a, I have mad respect for all sources of food and, and how food, uh, is, you know, is to fuel our body. And um, I think, a lot, you know, no harm, no foul. A lot of people miss out on that. I was just, I was blessed growing up. And um, so, you know, I'm, I'm a cancer survivor and, and I know there's certain things I, you know, I, I've been, uh, sometimes you're just, doesn't matter what you do. You know, that's one of those things where it's like the, the rug is pulled out from under you and you're, 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 I'm an, I'm an eternal optimist, but you, you couldn't help, you know, you can't help, but be, it's like, listen, I've been, t 
healthy my whole lifestyle. I, I've, 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 I live with a dietitian. We have an extremely vegetable-rich diet. Um, you know, like I said, we eat sensibly and 90% and of the time, if not more. And uh, I'm this healthy person. And, you know, the C word smacks you right upside the head. Yeah. Um, and, and I'll be honest, there's probably never every cancer survivor out there listening to this will, will, will understand exactly what I'm saying. You don't go more than maybe 15, 20 minutes the rest of your life as a survivor without thinking about it. So, so there's always this battle of what could I be doing right now that's a little better possibly. You know, there's so much information coming at you. And, you know, you literally just have to lean on those tried and true, you know, things. And, you know, perfect example, cancer survivor, non-cancer survivor, athlete, non-athlete, athlete. We know the insane benefits of having an extreme vegetable-rich diet. You know, when I'm talking with clients, it's one of those go-tos that I, I, I tell everybody, I don't care how many vegetables you're getting in your diet, you probably could get more. Yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> anti-inflammatories. And you know, we, we don't eat a lot of, we don't eat a lot of meat. And for, for various reasons, but uh, we, we have a very well-balanced diet. Uh, we really don't cut out anything. I, I'm not a believer in, you know, that. There, number one, to find peace with food, there's no such thing as a cheap food or cheap meal. That, that, that's, that's a recipe for disaster. We, I try to graciously totally coach agree. people away from that. Um, totally agree. You, you enjoy food. You don't beat yourself up over it. But, um, yeah, man, and I know I got a little off track here, but just – sensible and it's maybe one of these days we'll do a podcast with my wife and I and we'll make it all <laughs> yeah, about be awesome. uh, that would be awesome. sports performance, uh, fueling and nutrition. Yeah, we should set one up for sure. That would be really awesome. Um, so, uh, we're coming closer to the, the end of the podcast, but before we, we, we sign off, I want to talk about maybe, um, a bit about the, the cancer, uh, the cancer, cancer story, if you don't mind. And uh, so if you, how, well, what, what exactly happened? When did it happen? And what, uh, how did it change you? So 2016, um, so let me back up. My, luckily with, with cancer, we have, we have so many uh, tests out there yeah. where, you know, we can find, you know, early, with early screening, we can, we can, we can find things. And my mom and dad, both my biological mom and dad, uh, my mom, mother and father were, were divorced when I was about one years old and have an amazing stepmom. But um, the, the, my mom, biological mom and dad had polyps in their, in their 40s. And, you know, they, they were removed in, in routine colonoscopies and they were found to be non-cancerous. But luckily for me, they were proactive and they was like, listen, you know, me and my sister, you guys need to, you need to do colonoscopies earlier than, you know, you, you, it's pretty common to say, Hey, by the time you're 50, you need to start getting colonoscopies. Yeah. Well, I had my first one at 35. Okay. Well, and, uh, just to, to be safe and, and come to find out it, it, it saved my life. 35. We had, uh, we had no polyps, uh, 40, we had a polyp, but it was non-cancerous 40, 40, for some reason, and this is this sometimes things happen in life. I decided to go in. I don't know what happened, man, but things happen in mysterious ways sometimes. But I went in six months early, so I had it at uh, right before I turned forty-five, 
I had my colonoscopy. And the way it happens is they, you know, and they found a polyp. What they do, they send it off to the lab and they, they take these polyps, they slice them like into a hundred little sections and they do biopsies. Well, I get a call about five days late, six days later. And my, my gastroenterologist says, Yancey, you got cancer. We found, we found cancer in this polyp. And I'm telling you right now, dude, there is nothing. It is like getting hit by a freight train. Yeah, for sure. My wife was on a trip to Napa Valley. So I call her. Um, well, let me backtrack. The, the gastroenterologist says, here's what we want you to do. I want you to come in. I need to go in and we're going to go back in and we're going to take this purple dye and we're going to shoot. We're going to, we're going to color this area where I removed the polyp because there's absolutely no way of knowing if we got, we don't know how far it's spread. So what we're going to do is go in and we're going to do a gastro resection. And so I go in, I don't know, a couple weeks later, major surgery. It's called the Da Vinci surgery, oh. big robotic surgery. They took out eight inches of large intestine, four inches Ooh. above where the polyp was, the cancerous polyp was removed, four inches below. And they go in and they take out as many lymph nodes as possible because that's the first place it spreads to. So they took out 37 lymph nodes. He was able to get a very successful cluster of lymph nodes. Um, every single one of those lymph nodes goes through that massive biopsy process. Yeah. They found cancer in three of those lymph nodes. So technically I'm stage three cancer. Um, and there's a decent chance at that point I'm cancer free, but there's no way of telling. So the, you know, years of history, you know, years of research says, okay, the best thing do, to do now to dramatically improve my chances of this not recurring is I, I go into six months of, of chemotherapy and, you know, there's going to be people listening and know exactly what I'm talking about. There's, there's nothing, nothing sugarcoated about that. It's the freaking, that's no. the most brutal thing you'll ever go through in your life. It's a roller coaster ride of all the roller coaster rides. Um, mad love to anybody out there that's been through it or is possibly that's going through it right now. If you want to reach out to me, please do so. I'll, you can list my phone number, my email. They can come visit me at my freaking house. I will do anything awesome. for you during this time that you're dealing with right now because I can relate. This guy went into cancer. I could run a 455 mile at 45 years old. During my chemo week, I could barely walk a 15-minute mile around my neighborhood. I would drag my ass around that. And then so it's, it's everything. It's chalk. Everything they talk about it, dude, it. It yeah, kicks your ass. Yeah, but in my good wow. week, I stayed, I stayed very physically active. I made a bet with my oncologist that I would not lose a single pound. She's like, that's almost impossible. I went into chemo 165. Six months later, I got out of chemo 165. During that off week, during my, you basically have a really shitty week, and then you kind of start climbing out of it. And by the time it's for your next session, you know, you're, uh, you're feeling pretty good. I mean, I'm 70, 80%, which is like, during that, it's, that's like rock yeah, star status. Yeah, exactly. basically. So, I mean, I was lifting weights in that good week and running and um, just doing everything I could to stay on cycle. What happens is a lot of people, if you have to get off that timing, that cycle, because your red blood cells and your blood counts don't re recover, you have to get off the cycle. And if you can stay on cycle, that, that, that chemo is, is much more effective. So it's a, it take, it take me two hours to explain all of it, but um, you, you learn a lot about yourself, and I was, I was talking to Joe DeSena the other day, and I was like, man, Joe, you have no idea how many times I leaned on that 72-hour death race 
I always encourage people, man, while you're yes. healthy, take care of the body, but also do things that completely freak you out and turn you inside out. And they're crazy hard because you never know when you're going to lean on them. And I, I leaned on that, those tough moments, anything that I'd ever done in life that was really tough. It got me through some dark times. My, my family, little things, man, my old lab, my dog, she would drag my ass up the stairs during that bad week. And, um, it's a roller coaster ride, but I wouldn't change a thing, man. I'm, I'm a better person sure. for it. You know, you think you have everything figured out in life and you think you're the greatest person you could be and you're, you got everything. You're crossing all your T's and dotting all your I's, but it's a gift, man. Anybody that's ever survived something like that, they understand what I'm talking about. It's a gift and I, I'm, a, I'm a much better person for it. I want to do everything I can the rest of my life to, to serve you and everything else. I'm far from perfect. I'm failing forward every day, but I'm going to give you my best effort. And I was not giving you my best effort before cancer, so – it's a blessing in a crazy way, man. That's all, that's all you can do is look at it as, as a blessing. Yeah, for sure. That's, that's a crazy story. Uh, and, uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll put your, your social everywhere. So if anybody is going through it, please contact uh, Jans. He, he's going to talk to you. He's going to help you. He's going to motivate you because he's amazing at doing that. Um, so Jans, uh, before we, we actually close off the, the podcast, uh, what are some uh, personal, physical race goals for 2020? For you have you started um, thinking that out yet or it's too early for you to uh, start buying your the first i fell in love with the baton memorial death march yes last march i i just um that's an amazing event at the yep. white sands missile range in new mexico that commemorates the uh actual baton death march that happened in world war ii i don't know if i'll ever not do that race uh, it's, it's a 40 pound ruck marathon in the mountains in the desert of white sands um i'll do that with a bunch of friends i i'm really good at talking people into doing shit that they don't they don't think they can do and they just kind of uh, i'm a hard person to say no to so we're yeah. taking a lot of people out there i still love freaking racing man i love racing so much i you know i just finished my fourth ocr i don't get to race as much as i used to because i'm working so much i do a lot of work with spartan and other yeah. companies it's all fitness, so I love it all. But I guarantee I'll do four or five races, you know, actual just normal obstacle course races. Every, you know, every couple times every year, I'm going to sign up for something. And sometimes it's a spur-of-the-moment thing. Baton last year was a spur-of-the-moment thing. I encourage everybody out here to, to do what I'm about to say here. Every now and you know, when you finish your next event, you got to be certain for what you're going to sign up for next. So I'll do a couple things next year that just are – seem radically crazy on paper and that I, that is no they're going to put me knee deep in the in the suck yeah. and because that's that's important for me and i know not everybody understands that but i wasn't always like that but it's kind of a you know there's addictions in life and some of them can be healthy and getting out and racing and what what happens is when you keep something on the calendar you're more inclined, of you know, I talked about early in the podcast, we got to take care of this beautiful machine, be a little selfish with your time. You're a little more inclined to do that when you, when you have something down the road. So I'll sign up for, for, for multiple things, man. I'd love to see, I'd love to get out on course with you at some point. For sure, time, for sure. Meet, meet you in person. Yeah. But, um, you, you know, I, uh, I've got a couple people uh, putting that bug in my ear to go out and do uh, another death race. Um, mm. I, I want to get back. I may do world stuff as mutter next year. Nice. I, I want to get overseas and do, do a couple crazy, crazy races. Oh, no, my number one goal 
I, I, I will be, as an athlete, from an at, true athlete perspective, I will be competing 100% in the stadium, Spartan Stadium Series, because they recently nice. announced that we're going to have a 2020 Stadium World Championships. Yeah. So in the 49 to 40, 45 to 49 age group, I will compete in that entire series and compete at World Championships. I'll also be competing at High Rocks. I'm, I'm working with the High Rocks team. Okay, cool. I'm going to be competing in all the High Rocks events as many as I can. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to go to the World Championships in April in Berlin, Germany. I love everything they're doing. Just bringing more functional fitness to all yeah, of us athletes really and OCR cool. and across really, the world really cool. and give us something else to do. So, yeah, man, it's going to be a fun year. I'm going to keep sure. rocking and rolling until the the body says that you ain't you can't do it anymore. <laughs> until then, dude, this freaking this old guy is going to be moving and shaking, my friend. Awesome, awesome to hear. So uh, something that we do always on the podcast, and, and you gave so many tips throughout the whole podcast, but something that we usually do on the podcast is before we end off, we, we ask for three tips that the listeners uh, could take home with them to help them change their life and put them on the, the right path to a, a better and stronger life. What would be your, number, uh, your top three tips for that? Okay. Let's go. Go, go improv <laughs> mode here. Um, <laughs> And, and most of the things I tell you, I don't cre take credit for it myself. Mentors, accountability partners, coaches, people out there that I've, I've set in their seminars, whatever, they give us amazing nuggets. It's now our job to be a relay mechanism to pass the things on. And then hopefully they'll take them and it just, it just keep, keeps going. Um, so I want everybody, I want all your listeners to develop I, I briefly mentioned it. I talked about the pause button yeah. in your fam when you're with your spouse, with your kids, with your coworkers, every aspect of your life in your community, with your neighbors, um, every single, from the moment your feet hit the floor in the morning until you put your head on the pillow at night, I want you to develop a pause button before you walk into any meeting, before you sit down with your kids, before you step onto a podcast, before you step into any situation. I want you to briefly hit a pause button and you have to work on developing this pause button. It's not going to happen naturally. And you're going to say, okay, you take a deep breath and you're like, listen, I'm, I'm walking into a situation where I have the ability to be an influencer of good. I have the ability to light up the planet. I have the ability to put wind underneath the situation here and lift people up and, and make the foundation that we're standing on stronger. If you hit the pause button and you remind yourself before you step into every situation, you will freaking be more productive during that next five minutes or five hours or that entire day or five seconds sometimes. And all, you know, you will eventually get to the point where you don't have to actually pause and remind yourself. That's just who you will become. Yeah. Um, so that pause button is ridiculously important. And then when you're in those moments, you have to have the ability to do what I call flush to green. And, and this is the Brian Kane. Uh, he's, he's a great mental conditioning coach for athletes. Um, you have to have the ability to flush the green. And what I mean by that is there's things in life that, that piss us off throughout the day that some things send us into a yellow zone and, and then something really bad happens. Maybe somebody at work takes credit for something that you did or your kids or your wife or somebody just really gets under your skin. Champions in life, athletes, rock star leaders, family men and women, coaches of kids, whatever, rock star leaders in life are really freaking good at flushing the green. 
people are lying to you and if they say they never go to the yellow zone or the red zone, we do all the time. But it's people that develop the ability to quickly flush down to green. So you spend most of your time in the green zone. You are a much better leader and person in general when you spend most of your time in the, in the green zone. So that's, that's two. And, and the third one, we'll shift gears a little bit. I'm going to say, this is an Eric Thomas. No, gosh dang it, I'm brain farting here. <laughs> anyway, I've kind of put my own spin on it. But, man, I'm going to – don't let your feet hit – this is kind of mine, and I'm going to tie in a little Eric Thomas. Don't let your feet hit the floor in the morning until you're ready to uh, dominate the day. Dominate the day is Brian Kane. Don't let your feet hit the floor in the morning. That's mine. But don't <laughs> let your feet hit the floor in the morning until you're ready to dominate the day. If literally, I mean – create this physical situation like wait a second am i ready to move big rocks today am i ready to get one step closer to am i going to maximize my opportunities today am i going to move that big rock that gets me one step closer to my goal am i going to move that big rock that's important to make my family better my work life better my life better am i going to get my ass to the gym today and, to, and respect this beautiful machine of ours and, and, and if the answer is no you got to freaking you know, for me, it's like, I'm going to say a quick prayer. I'm going to talk to the, I'm going to talk to the dude that came here for 30 some odd years and kind of showed us a really cool path, how to live our life. We're going to have, I'm going to have a discussion with the cool dude that kind of showed us the way. That's my way. If, you, if you're, if you're a man of faith or not, do whatever you need to do to, to get yourself aligned inside your guardrails to where he's like, okay, now I'm ready. Then you let your feet at the floor and you freaking you go crush it, man. Yeah. And then here's the deal. I'll give you a fourth one. You nice. got to get in the habit of, of grading yourself when, when you put your head on the pillow at night and, and you, there's nothing wrong with saying, okay, how did today go? You've got these foundations, you've got these bullet points that they're important to you in life. So you, every single day, seven nights a week, you, you give yourself a great, great. How did it go? It might mean you got to get out of bed and send somebody an email or call somebody or do something or go out back and get a 15-minute workout in to where you can get in bed and say, okay, now my day was complete. And then Sunday night, you, you kind of summarize, like, what was, the, what was the average grade for the week? Dude, those, if people will start somewhat incorporating those three or four things I just gave, I, I just gave you, that's life-changing, man. For sure. So, for sure. anyway. I'm failing tips. forward like everything else. For those three or four that I gave you, everybody, all the listeners out there could probably give me five that would help this old guy improve <laughs> his life. So we can all work together, man. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, Yancy, if people want to learn more about you or learn more about uh, your training, where would be the best place to go uh, social media-wise? Uh, social media, at Yancy Culp on Instagram and at Yancey Camp Official. As of right now, I probably spend a little more time at Yancey Culp. Um, on Facebook, Yancey Camp is the business page. Of course, yanceycamp.com. That's yeah. that's all things Yancey Camp online training for OCR entry level, OCR premier. Um, we have a lot of other great coaches on there. Dakota no, really Rager, crazy. Heather yeah, Golnick, um, Monica. Monica Brandt, um, the OCR program has, has been rock and rolling for five years. We have 600 plus clients in about 25 countries. It, it's a great, well-rounded, extremely inexpensive for what you get program for, for helping 
put you in a great situation where you maximize your training time. It's going to translate out on course. Uh, late this week or early next week, we're launching our Yancey Camp Nutrition Program. Corinna yes, Coffin, awesome. who's a badass OCR athlete, as well as a retro dietitian like my wife. My, Corinna and my wife will be managing all things Yancey Camp Nutrition. So that's a fun thing going on. Cool. Um, my, my email, Yancey Culp at YanceyCamp.com. My freaking phone number, 512-423-3486. People think I'm crazy for giving that out. <laughs> Dude, text me, call me. I'm a, I'm, I'm nothing in this world if I can't. If you take away my ability to, what Matthew McConaughey says, localize with people, socialize. I'm nothing, dude. I yeah, might as well sure. just freaking jump off a cliff and end it <laughs> if, if that day ever comes. That's that's all I'm good at in life is communicating with people. I love doing that. So, if I any way you can contact me, contact me. If I don't reply, it's not on purpose because I accidentally missed it. And you keep bugging me until I finally reply to your ass because you're not bugging me. I love talking to everybody. <laughs> awesome. Well, yeah, thank you so much for being a part of the podcast. Uh, I, it was an amazing uh, talking to you. Uh, I learned so much about you. I learned so much about uh, health and fitness through you and being part of your, your trainings for over a year now. It's, it's, it's life-changing to myself as well. So I want to thank you for that. Uh, if you guys, anybody out there in the podcast world wants to get some of the best OCR training, please go check out the Yancey Camp. It's uh, an amazing and, like you said, super affordable. And the trainings that you get are out of this world. So thank you, Yancey. Uh, I don't know hey, if you can have some I, last... Yeah, go ahead. Can I, I want to give a shout-out to a few of my sponsors, if that's okay. Yeah, not a problem. Go ahead. Um, HumanN.com, man. HumanN.com, H-U-M-A-N-N.com. The makers of Beat Elite and all many other great products. They've they've been they've been in my corner for for six years now. Um, just an unbelievably exceptional company. We have you know uh, myself, Ron Atkins, uh, Lindsey Webster, and Amelia Boone are all on the team. And yeah. it's, I have to it's actually try one it. of the greatest. I haven't, I haven't tried it yet. I have to I have to try it. It's one of the greatest. Uh, if you ever get a chance to, I wish I could snap my fingers and have everybody out there meet everybody at the corporate office, the husband and wife team, Amory and Joel Coher. They're, it's just an exceptionally run company. And I, I love, uh, I love everything they do for, for, for us athletes. And just, you know, they are chain, they provide products that can help change the, uh, the, the human race. And uh, my, my family at power systems um, shout out to, uh, to, to Gooder and Mudgear, some of the fun things we're, we're doing together. Um, launching a, a, an amazing project on uh, team with a guy that's got an amazing product. Um, um, we're launching on Kickstarter soon. You guys keep an eye on my awesome. Instagram there. It's a pillow that's going to change your life, saw, my friends. I, I saw you may that. have seen I the saw, videos. Yeah, I saw we just that. have a lot, cool. of, a lot of fun things going on. Shout out to Spartan, man. Joe DeSena. Yeah, I met that guy 35 hours into the death race on the side of a mountain in Pittsburgh, Vermont, in 2013, and just what what he does, man, and how he does it. Uh, I love working with with the Spartan folks. Um, it's just a great team, and I, everybody at High Rocks did a lot of fun work for them. But uh, Game Time, another company I work with, they're in the they're under the same umbrella, the Playcore umbrella with Power Systems, but. Man, I got a lot of irons in the fire, and it's all, all working with a lot of good people, a lot of yeah. good, genuine, awesome rock star people. So shout, so shout out to every one of you. I know I'm missing to some of you. Shout out to my amazing wife. And uh, rock and roll, man. 
I'm starting awesome. to sound a little bit like Cuba Gooding Jr. getting his Academy Award in 1996. <laughs> you guys are about ready to freaking get the shepherd's hook and pull my ass off the stage. Shut me down. Well, th thank you so much, Yatsi. It was uh, awesome talking to you. Everybody out there, keep living strong. Hi, right, buddy. Rock and roll. Thanks for having me on, my friend. Anytime. If you guys like this episode of the Living Strong Podcast, don't forget to like, comment, and share wherever you listen to your podcast. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. It will help us out so much. Thank you and keep living strong. Thank you for listening and being part of the Living Strong Podcast. Till next time, keep living strong.